Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, hello, welcome. Do press like and subscribe. Some good news. The far-right demagogue Bolsonaro, who's ruled Brazil for the last few years, has been defeated in the country's presidential elections. Lula, the former president, the progressive standard bearer, has won. Latin America now mostly run by progressive governments. Now, we're going to talk about this. The good part, very important. We need optimism. We're going to talk about some nuances as well. It's very important people understand this isn't all good news. Sorry to maybe on the parade, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, in that spirit, we've got two brilliant guests to explain everything and educate me as well as you. Uh, David Adler, who is the international coordinator. Have I got that right? Of the Progressive International. Um, and Aline Piva, who is the Latin America coordinator of Progressive International in Sao Paulo. Is that right? Sao Paulo. Yes. yes. Facts. Very important in a discussion like this. Okay. How was Lula? Let's start with a good bit. I like, I like to start with optimism. How was Lula able to defeat this far-right monstrosity, Bolsonaro? He wants to start. I'll kick it off. I think that Lula's, Lula's victory has push and pull factors. Uh, some of the push factors will be familiar to many of your viewers, listeners, and peoples around the world, because there are a few governments, to be honest, that have survived uh, this period of uh, pandemic, economic crisis, and inflation. Uh, Bolsonaro's government was a disaster. Some would say a genocidal disaster for his absolute uh, and horrendous mismanagement of the pandemic, leading to hundreds of thousands of excess deaths here in Brazil. And, you know, becoming a sort of not just a laughing stock for the world, but a huge uh, menace for overseeing the uh, large-scale deforestation, invasion, theft of indigenous and ancestral lands uh, in the Amazon. Uh, that on top of, uh, you know, the crisis of hunger and food insecurity coming back to Brazil. And you really saw uh, a, kind, a kind of class warfare that uh, Brazil never saw under the PT, founded as it was by a kind of class compromise around uh, redistribution uh, and taking care of the poor, building institutions like education. You know, so one of the main attack lines from the Lula campaign was, you know, how many universities did you build? Bolsonaro, and the answer is, you know, like none compared to the kind of um, infrastructure institutions that were built with the PT. So there were a lot of push factors, a lot of rage and resentment about um, the kind of uh, authoritarian, some would say outrightly fascist government that Bolsonaro was leading and intending to, to hold on for as long as uh, he could, for as long as the institutions would, would allow him. In terms of poll factors, though, you know, the, the Lula really rode a, a wave of uh, support, some would say oftentimes nostalgia, about the governments that he led in his first and second mandates. These were about building those institutions like education, health, um, uh, and industry that saw Brazil become a major world power, that saw people go from living in uh, you know, slums to sending their kids to university with having you know, a, a decent job and, uh, and clean water. You know, this, these are remarkable achievements. And so 
that kind of transformation in Brazil that that PT has led was a huge pull factor for a lot of people, uh, in particular, poor people, working class people who've turned out in droves to vote for Lula. We'll get into this later, Owen, but you know, this was a hugely class polarized election, hugely geography polarized election. Uh, we saw a kind of typical, um, you know, middle class millennial male figure, Bolsonarista figure who's been super radicalized to the right. Uh, but we were fortunate enough to see the uh, really vast mobilization of uh, poor Brazilians uh, clinging on to that dream of a Brazil that uh, takes care of its poor, that addresses that food security and the crisis of hunger, uh, that builds housing uh, and provides health care to its people. And that was the vision that carried the day yesterday in what was the closest election uh, in Brazil's modern history. Yeah, Alini, I mean, Bolsonaro, for a lot of people watching this or listening to this, they know bad, bad person, bad president. Can you just spell out, though, just kind of briefly, how egregious, how terrible, what, how bad was Bolsonaro in practice? Well, we are talking about a president that when we, we reached a point here in the pandemic in Brazil where over 3,000 people were dying daily, and he just went on a live stream and pretending he was dying uh, from, uh, he couldn't breathe. It was just extremely, I think this was very uh, telling of how uh, inhumane this person is. And there are uh, egregious factors, like personal facts, for example, he, uh, he said out loud that he wanted to have a, a, a relationship, a sexual relationship with a child, a 14-year-old girl, and no one called this what it is. It was a pedophile act. But more than that, he used the state to commit outright acts of corruption. Uh, in the coming months before the election, he just instrumentalized uh, the finances of the state to buy votes. Uh, he created these programs to do handouts of cash to poor people in the country as a way to try to convince them to vote for Bolsonaro. And it worked at some level because when we see the votes, he still uh, pulled it quite well despite of all uh, the damage he has done to the country. Uh, there are several corruption scandals, one that is called Rachadinha. Uh It's been called, and this one, Rachadinha, and uh, the secret budget, or Samento Secreto. It has just recently been called by uh, international amnesty and other international organizations as the you know, the largest corruption scandal in history of Latin America. But they spin that uh, really well. And uh, even though uh, Mensalão and other attacks to the Workers' Party were based on corruption, Bolsonaro has done a very, I would say, interesting, as a word to keep the, uh, uh, the conversation going, a very interesting job in spin that narrative. So it's not corruption. We are protecting ourselves. We are protecting our uh, government and so on. So it's really interesting to see how corruption went from being uh, a tool for 
a coup, as we saw with Dilma Rousseff. It wasn't corruption on her, but it was part of the narrative against the Workers' Party to being something that, you know, get her support behind a very corrupted, a terrible government. David, just quickly, voter suppression. We heard very disturbing reports yesterday about basically organs of the state you engaged in intimidation suppression just to explain quickly what happened you know the brazilian right are some of the most uh creative um coup plotters and false flag operation planners they love this stuff i mean this is the stuff that they thrive on and you know there there, there are so many things that happen this in this in this campaign that's like hard to recap obviously my brain is a bit of scrambled eggs, but just to give a few examples, I'll give three examples. Example number one, extremely important, and almost no one in the international media was talking about it. The candidate for Sao Paulo go governor, who is now the elected governor of Sao Paulo, which is basically the second most powerful position in the entire country of Brazil, on the campaign, tried to look like a tough guy and walk into a favela in, in the state. And the people in the favela were like, get out of here. Get out of here with your like press team and your security team. His security detail pulls a gun and kills this guy, kills an unarmed guy for telling his team to leave. They then try to spin this as if it were an assassination attempt. Like he's a hero who walked in, you know, tough on crime, campaigning in a favela, you know, survived an assassination attempt, right? Because it, it, that was one of the things that worked so well for Bolsonaro was spinning his, the attack on Bolsonaro in 2018 as being a kind of martyr for the cause, Right. And then there were journalists there who were recording the whole thing, and they forced these guys to delete all the footage. And luckily, the journalist was recording the audio the whole time that was then leaked, right? You know, this is a huge scandal, and he still didn't lose. He still won 55% of votes, and he will be the candidate. He will be the governor of Sao Paulo, a guy who's not even from Sao Paulo, who doesn't know anything about Sao Paulo, a guy who campaigned on taking body cams off of police. That's example number one, Owen. Example number two, one day before the election, while Alini and I with our delegation, included Zara Sultan and Jeremy Corman, are walking along the streets next to the large-scale mobilization for Lula. One block away, a Bolsonarista MP, federal deputy, uh, pulls a gun on a young black Lula supporter and chases him through the street with a gun pulled on him and then tries to spin that as if he, uh, the PT sent a black man to come intimidate and harass her. Luckily, again, people were on the street taking video to debunk all of these claims. And then the third, most outrageous, and again, will not be, will, I think we, we cannot expect accountability for these things because there are so many examples, such flagrant violations of the law. Alini gave some great examples of the large, largest scale corruption scandal in the history of Brazil conducted under this Bolsonaro government, was what happened yesterday. Yesterday was, I don't hesitate to say, a straight up coup attempt by the Bolsonarista right. The head of the highway police forces signed an order at 2.43 in the morning saying, whatever happens, don't listen to the Supreme Electoral Tribunal, whatever they tell us, and sent out his people to conduct 560 highway blockades in heavily Lula voting areas, the same areas that delivered this election for Lula, in fact, in the Northeast, to try to slow down, subdue voter turnout, uh, and intimidate people to, to stay home with you know, traffic and fear of being stopped. They were stopping people just for having Lula stickers on their car. Now, that is, a, that is a violation of the law in Brazilian law. Impeding the population from voting is an electoral 
violation, right? But then yesterday at the press conference, uh, Jim Morais, the head of the Brazil Electoral Court, comes out and goes, nah, I mean, this is fine. No one was really impeded from voting. Uh, uh, this, this wasn't illegal. We're going we're gonna to let it slide. And so this is, you know, I, I dare to say like a tactic of the coup mongering right is to flood you with so many scandals, flood you with so many flagrant and shameless violations of law and norm that it's just sort of like, okay, well, you know, what are we going to do? We can't go after all these people. Alini, not, notwithstanding this horrific attempt at intimidation and a coup attempt, as David puts it there, if I was to grow, you know, in a bottle, a caricature, monstrous right winger, it would be Bolsonaro. A disastrous record. Huge numbers of people unnecessarily died of COVID because of his mismanagement. But nearly half of Brazil still voted for this guy, up against the most popular president in Brazil's history. Pretty disturbing. Why did so many people, even after all this, vote for Bolsonaro? Who are they? Who's that voter coalition? And what does that tell us? I think there are a couple of reasons there. Uh, and I will start with a historical one. When you look at the votes, uh, like the map of the votes, the states who voted for uh, Lula and the states who voted for Bolsonaro, you see there's a pretty clear divide in the country. It is the north and northeast against the south and the southeast. Southeast uh, developed, southeast with uh, more industrialized, more, uh, I mean, more access to um, public services and so on. And the north of the country who was historically just historically forgotten by the state for centuries. Uh, the PT governments were the first governments in our recent history who looked at those states and said, we have potential here, we have to develop here, we have to address uh, issues such as drought, lack of education, lack of industrialization and so on. And this is something that is still holds. The south of the country was largely benefited by um, Bolsonaro's hangout uh, of uh, privilege to some businessmen. Uh, agribusiness also played the role on having those voters uh, still support Bolsonaro. The second reason I would say is the... Um, this whole process of buying votes. The electoral system here in Brazil is really good. We don't contest the legitimacy, but we understand that who votes are humans and humans can be bought. And Bolsonaro uses the state that all the machinery of the state to buy those votes. For example, in one of the meetings that we attended, um, our host announced that one thing that Bolsonaro was doing is paying mayors so they can uh, have votes in exchange. For example, I will send you X amount of money to your little city in the countryside, but you have to guarantee that I will have 500 voters in your constituency. And this generated kind of a snowball effect throughout the country. 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. And uh, the last reason I would say is that uh, the anti Uh, Workers' Party, the anti-Lula sentiment is still strong. This is a sentiment that was um, fostered through many, many years of uh, attacks on the media, of lawfare, uh, of fake news, and it's still strong and it's a challenge that has not been, uh, let's say, properly addressed so far. David, do you want to add just anything quickly about that closeness and what it tells us? I just think it's tempting to read it through a sort of both sides or symmetrical lens. But I think what Alini's pointing out is just the, the asymmetry in, uh, between left and right and how we build our projects and how we undo them. It's really hard in a country of this scale, uh, of this scope and diversity, to build a left project. I mean, how do we build projects on the left? We build them through vision, through program, through love and care. We build them through a promise to deliver. And how does the right do it? Through lies, deception, uh, delusion, and over basically if you're the destruction of your expectations. And so, you know, Brazil, Bolsonaro entered Brazil in the, the vicious cycle mm. of, uh, you know, reducing the state, destroying the institutions of the state, therefore, you know, reducing your expectations about the state. Therefore, reducing your desire to see a government that wants to mobilize the resources and infrastructure of the state to do well by you. And that's, you know, we, and this is like a classic Tory party, UK Tories tactic, you know, just, you know, undermine the state, use austerity to like undermine the state. And then when a politician comes along, like a Jeremy Corbyn to say, you know what, we're going to rebuild the state and we're going to make those institutions work for you. People go, what are you talking about? For the past 10 years, I can't get access to food, education or go to the NHS. How, how, how are you going to do this? How are you going to make rail work? How are you going to make, uh, you know, the water or, or, or these energy companies that you've privatized work? So, you know, th- this is just like it's easy to fuel that to, to fuel an anti-Pachista or anti-PT sentiment is much harder after six years of coup government, right? Mm-hmm. Um, starting in 2014, uh, sorry, 20, starting in 2016, all the way to, 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 to yesterday, six years of just like wearing down the state, undermining that hope that people could have, that their government could represent them, their priorities and their needs. Um, so I think that we arrive at this figure that looks like, wow, Lula, like, 
offered this and Bolsonaro offered this and people split half half down the line. I think more worrying uh, looking at th- this stuff and looking at you know th- those asymmetrical tactics is what Le- Alini was describing there between the regional, geographic, class, and gender polarization. You know, it's one thing to like go half-half uh, on an electorate, but it's kind of mapped evenly over, uh, over the country and evenly over generations and evenly over genders. The fact is that Brazil is now more divided than ever, I think it's possible to say. You know, it's more divided by class. Uh, it's uh, scary to see, you know, people think that you know, millennials are going to carry the flag of a new progressive politics, not here in Brazil. Millennial, young millennial uh, men are, are, are the primary Bolsonarista um, demographic, and they're coming into Congress, and they're coming into politics and you know, high-profile social media to a really strong extent. And so that is you know, the challenge that the PT right. is going to have, is how to, and this is a challenge that we all, all, all the progressive governments that are coming to power in the context of ext- increasing polarization are having, how to reunite a country on the basis of uh, a program and a kind of class compromise that it implies, you know, that, okay, you're going to do well, but, but we're going to redistribute some of those resources, some of those rents that you've been uh, hoarding this time. We're going to make those work for the poor, and, and we're going to increase the productivity of this country. We're going to make Brazil a, a country that is not just importing fertilizer and exporting soy, but is actually providing good jobs and industry and uh, leading a green transition that, that actually puts workers first, whatever it is, right? We're going to do all that, and you're going to gain, but you're not going to gain at the expense uh, of, of the poor. And so that's the kind of challenge is, you know, Bolsonaro's economy is a zero-sum economy where the rich gain at the poor's expense. And, and Lula wants to make a positive-sum economy where we grow and the poor do better because it's a poor-first program. We're called the Workers' Party for a reason, right? Uh, and, 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 and it's just, it's, diff- it's becoming increasingly difficult to tap into that sense of positive-sum economics yeah. in a country that's lived through such violence and such destruction of its state machinery. So just, just finally, two, two things put together. Brazil's future. What is Lula's programme and will he be able to, how much will he be able to implement? So we're talking, I suppose, social and environmental justice. And in terms of Bolsonaroism and Bolsonaro himself, where does that fit into Brazil's future? Because it's clearly not going to go away, especially if it's got in Brazil a substantial support amongst younger Brazilians, which is quite unlike what's happening, for example, in Britain or Spain or whatever. So, Alini, just Brazil, Brazil's future. What's the programme? Will he be able to implement it? And what about Bolsonaroism? I will start with the last one. Uh, this is something that was very clear to everyone here and uh, uh, everyone who was involved in the process. Defeat Bolsonaro does not mean defeat Bolsonarismo. Bolsonarismo is something that uh, as they've said, is entrenched in society, uh, has conquered over the hearts and minds of many young Brazilians. Uh, but I think this this win yesterday uh, win was very symbolic of uh, even though this is very entrenched, even though it has powerful enemies. Uh, the popular mobilization, the campaign here this year was something that I had never seen before. You know, 
uh, people organized themselves in popular meetings. They went to the streets, they talked to people, uh, they energized themselves. So I think this is very positive. It's something that is not going to stop with the elections. Uh, at some level, we understood that if we don't go back to go door to door, talk to people, uh, create that space for political education to to you know fight back fake news bolsonarismo will never go away this is an important lesson and i think it has been learned and will continue to be implemented by the people uh, it's not a part organized it's not it was something that brazilians created and are uh, carry on yesterday on lula's new it's not a new a new growth speech because he will take power only on January 1st, 2023. But on his speech yesterday, he said that his priority is going to be one, fight hunger and misery. We Today we have over uh, 30 million people who go hunger go hungry every day at some level here in Brazil of those 10 million are children. This is his number one priority. He did it before and he wanted to do it again. Second, he promised to uh, to end the Amazon, the deforestation in the Amazon. This is very, uh, very important goal. Uh, and uh, I think he will He's open to international cooperation in that, and this is going to be a very important step for us. And third, what he said, and this was extremely, extremely uh, telling of the challenge that uh, we are going to face, is that he will rebuild our democratic institutions, the democratic relations as the constitution, as the Brazilian constitution um, foresees, uh, he will rebuild those relationships. That was an important sign for Bolsonarismo. Bolsonaro was able to manage to put out his allies, close allies in almost every institution of the state. And Lula is willing to fight that back. That's going to be extremely important for us in the next period. David. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry, long night. I think Alini covered well the domestic priorities uh, of, of the new government. I would speak only to the international side, uh, which I think is a really important aspect of this new government very close to Lula's heart and also very important to the project of the PT uh, since Lula's first mandate, um, uh, which is turning Brazil into a kind of uh, force for South-South solidarity and the construction of a new architecture for South-South cooperation uh, and a new role for the global South, broadly speaking, and Latin America in particular, uh, in this uh, incoming multipolar world, international order, call it what you want. So there's two lines I think that are most important there that you can read in you know, Lula's inauguration speech or any of the campaign discourse uh, uh, in the run-up to yesterday's election. One key piece, one key plank is Latin American integration. Uh, Brazil is a country with 220 million people. Is that right, Alini? Yeah. And, yeah. It's a huge country. 
So, you know, a lot of people talk about wanting to build these institutions between países hermanos, between, you know, fraternal countries in Latin America, but Brazil can do it because Brazil has the economic weight. It has the, the institutions, you know, it has um, the ability to, to, to lead these processes. So Owen, at the outset of, our, of the program, you mentioned uh, that we've seen progressive governments coming to power in places like uh, Chile and places like uh, Colombia, Bolivia, of course, uh, still holding on in Argentina. And uh, many of those countries have been in kind of a holding pattern uh, while Lula prepares to come to government. And the hope is that, you know, Lula can switch on those processes and accelerate them. <laughs> CELAC, CELAC, which is the organization of and Caribbean states, and the potential for reconstruction of UNASUR, which is the Union of South American Nations. This is to facilitate greater trade, health integration, stuff that would allow Latin America to become a more resilient, more integrated, more solidaristic zone, as opposed to that kind of uh, more colonial and extractive economy that sort of import uh, from elsewhere, el export to elsewhere, and not have the kind of resilience that would allow it to build its own mm -hmm. vaccines and not have to rely on you know, U.S. Uh, international uh, intellectual property protected, va patent protected vaccines and, and, and medicine, for example. So Latin American integration, a very important project for Lula. Uh, yesterday, Ali and I were, you know, uh, I think I was probably the only U.S. American in, in that room. You know, everyone there from Latin America just so excited to, to have Lula back to lead some of those processes. Now, the more controversial aspect of uh, Lula's new government will be his vision for the world at large. You know, this is about uh, reconstructing the BRICS coalition. That is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, expanding that coalition to include countries like Argentina. It's about... Uh, you know, Brazil reclaiming its role as the main port of call for African nations uh, to be a, a partner in development on the African continent. So, you know, Lula really wants there to be, uh, you know, a, a new pole uh, in, in this incoming international order that is uh, here in Latin America, um, but that is an engine for development and cooperation around the world. And so that's going to be a very interesting point of tension. Uh, you know, yesterday, very clearly, it was fascinating to listen in the, you know, few minutes uh, that he shared with us as the international guests, he was clear to emphasize, we will not support a new Cold War between the U.S. and China. We will have relations with everyone, was the direct quote from Lula last night in our meeting. Uh, and I think that that resistance to a new Cold War means basically you have insisting on having a sovereign foreign policy uh, that does not necessarily align with the foreign policy priorities uh, of the United States, of Europe and Britain, uh, nor will it uh, over, uh, overlap with, with what we're now calling the Western left. I mean, I think it's going to take its own course set by uh, its own diplomats, its own foreign ministry, uh, and that will be a really important test uh, of uh, Brazil's relationship uh, with uh, my country of origin, with, uh, with, with, with the United Kingdom, uh, and of course with progressive forces around the world as a new international order comes into shape. Great stuff, both of you. Very comprehensive there. Obviously a great victory for this little, this little fella. But celebration, not triumphalism. I think that is the message coming out. But nonetheless, something to celebrate, something to build on, even if there remains big question marks over the progressive future for Brazil and the rest of humanity. Thank you both so, so much to David and Alini. If you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, press like. If you're listening on the podcast, thanks. <laughs> um, really appreciate it. I will see you all soon. Thanks, you both. 
Thank you for listening, everyone. I hope you found that educational, interesting, engaging, and all sorts of other things. Do support us on patreon.com forward slash ownjones84. You keep doing the podcast and the channel uh, with our incredible team's work, or use the support function in the description. And do subscribe and leave us a review, please. Some stars, any of those things. Um, but otherwise, lots of love. Hope you well. Speak to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.